Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 139? God and me. An essential knowledge of God is basic to everything that a believer does. Everything. How we respond, what we think of something. All of these things for a believer rest upon an individual's theology, if you want to call it that. How does God know me and how do I know God? Now, the, the older, well, the, the Syriac version of the text of this psalm attributes the occasion of the psalm to a particular time when King David was visiting a man who was of the clan of Saul. Saul having already killed himself, David already the king. And there was a kinsman of Saul there whose name was Shimei. And when he saw David, he cursed and swore. He was no fan of King David. It seems that Shimei was instrumental in spreading false information about King David. It's interesting how political opponents will do that. So he started attributing information to David, things, actions, behaviors that, of course, King David was not responsible for, but yet he just heard about it from other people. Yeah, I heard what you did. I know what you. Well, what he had done, what Shimei had done is he had stirred other people up against David. David's only defense was. I didn't say that. I didn't do that. I'm not responsible for that. That's not true. That's a lie. I've told you this story before, but it, it, it bears repeating in, the, in an introduction to what we're going to be studying here. Um, my dad had a, a fairly large department store clothing business in Gadsden. And in those days, our store, except for the stores, a couple of stores in Birmingham, our store was the only store in the general area of North Alabama, all the way over to Rome, Georgia, up to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Our store was the only store that had a big and tall division. We had a guy come in one time. He drove a Chevrolet. He had to have it special made. I went out and looked at it. I couldn't believe it. So that his stomach could fit behind the steering wheel. And he had extensions, all this made at the factory, extensions made for his pedals in a special way that he could extend the steering wheel 
so that his, his stomach could be accommodated. He wore a 72 waist pants. And we, we waited on a guy one time from Chicago, a lawyer. He was seven feet and two inches tall. He, he honestly looked like an NBA athlete. He was so fit and all. But he weighed over 300 pounds. His, his uh, sleeve length was 42. Now you think about that. Mine is 35. His was 42. And he wore what's called a double extra long suit. We fitted this guy up. We had, we had shirts there to fit him. One of our more well-known customers was Jim Folsom, Big Jim Folsom, the old governor from Coleman. His son, who later was not governor then, but later served as governor, and another son, his two sons would bring him to our store because Big Jim was six feet, seven inches tall. And he humped a little bit, like so, which would, which would jack up the tail of the, of the coat of the suit. And we never let anybody walk out unless their sleeve length was right, their cuffs were right, and the fall of the tail in the back was right of the coat. And we had our own seamstress ladies, and they would spend much of the day there while we made sure that the several suits that they had come to purchase for him fit him. Now, Big Jim was blind at that time. He was very old. He could still walk. Had a lot of wit about him. But we fit him with uh, ties, and you have to have extra long ties for tall people, extra long shirts. We fitted him with everything he needed. And he would sit in the shoe department, patiently waiting for all of this work to be done on the suits that he, and sport coats he had bought. So I walked up. He couldn't see me, but my dad introduced me and he said, this is my son. And I was a bivocational, bivocational pastor at the time. And... Uh, Daddy introduced me as a, a having, being a pastor of a, of a small church and still working at the store. And Big Jim said, come over here and sit down next to me. And I did. He said, well, you know I'm a politician. I said, yes, sir. He said, I hadn't politicked in a long time. But he said, you know, there are a lot of things that are common between preachers and politicians. That's why I I just sat there and listened. And actually what he told me is something that I've carried around with me ever since. And that's been 40 years ago, I guess. A long time ago. And Big Jim was a very winsome guy. Just as really nice and sweet as he could be as we talked. He said, you know, I went through a couple of rough times when I was governor. I said, yes, sir. And he said, people said all kind of things about me. And he said, it was just awful. He said, just untrue stuff. 
And he said, preachers, been my experience, face the same thing. People will say things about you that just aren't true. He said, what are you going to do when something just comes out of thin air? It's hard to fight a ghost. And he said, I'm going to give you some advice that my mama gave me that always worked well for me. He said, my mama told me when I was going through some rough times as governor, Jimmy, here's what I want you to understand when, when they start slinging mud. It's best to leave it alone. It'll dry and fall off by itself. But if you start wiping on it, trying to get it off, you'll make a bigger mess. <laughs> That was his advice to me. Now this is King David and people are saying bad things about him and he doesn't know where he came. He doesn't understand why they're saying this. Well, they, they just didn't like him, that's why. And so they, they, they fight this, I call it a war of attrition where they'll just throw everything they can up against the wall and just see if anything at all sticks. And I've been there. And I understand where just out of nowhere people start saying things and this is where King David is. And so King David has this recourse. He's not going to try to wipe the mud off. He's not going to make a bigger mess. He's going to repose in the arms of God who loves him and just let the stuff dry and it'll fall off. Now, David in those times, each of, each of the dire situations in David's life create a scenario in which David learns more about God and he becomes more intimate and more personal with God. So that he gets to the point in his life where he just... He just knows God and he knows that God knows him because God just directs his life into the path where at that moment it needs to be headed. So with those thoughts in mind, let's look at Psalm 139. God and me. Number one, we are personally known by God. God's not surprised by anything that we do. He knows us. So this is for the conductor. This is for the song director. The Psalm of David. Yahweh, you have examined me and you know me. It is in him we live and move and have our being. There is no escaping God's knowledge of who we are and what we do. You have examined me. You've searched me. You know me. You know my sitting and my rising. When I'm sitting down, when I'm getting up, you know where I am, what I'm doing. You understand my thought from afar. In other words, there is nowhere I can be that you do not know even what I'm thinking. You know me this well. My going about and my lying down, you winnowed. That is to take, you know, to take the 
wheat, whatever, throw it up. And the stuff that isn't edible, it's not split, the chaff, it gets blown away. And the person, the winnower, knows what's good and what's bad and what's being separated. This is what David is saying. My going about in my activity, even when I'm asleep, you know the things that have been bad and have been separated from me. And you know the good that is there as well. And you are acquainted with all my ways. There's nowhere I go. There's nothing I do. There's nothing I say that is hidden from you. Now understand David is experiencing sorrow because people are believing things about him that aren't true. And you have to let that mud dry and fall off. David has the help of God. You know everything. You know me. You know this isn't right. What's being said. So basically, the important thing is to be known by God. Regardless of what others may think. For there is no word on my tongue. Behold, Yahweh. You know it all together. You know every word that comes from my mouth. You know my thoughts that are gathered even before I speak the word. You know all together. You know it. From the rear and from the front you have hedged me and laid your hand upon me. The attacks that I have suffered as your servant would have taken down lesser men But your hand has been on me. You have hedged me about and protected me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. It's too much for me to even think why you care for me. And why you protect me. Even in the throes of misinformation and lies and disinformation. I don't know why it happened. But you're carrying me through it. And how and why you can know everything about me is too much for me. I cannot attain that knowledge. Not only are we personally known, God never takes a break from it. We are continuously known. Where shall I go from your spirit? And where shall I flee from your presence? In David's day, nations had their own national gods and goddesses. But they were considered to be national gods. In other words, their belief system was that this is our God. He deals with us. And he doesn't deal with anybody else. He's limited to this nation. Well, of course, the God of gods, the true and living God, is not that way at all. David says, I can't go anywhere from your presence. If I tried to run from you, I couldn't run from you because you are already there. If I ascend to the heavens, there you are. And if I make my bed in Sheol, that's the grave. Behold, you're already there. In heaven, you're already there. In the grave, you're already there. If I take up the wings of dawn, if I dwell at the end of the west or the sea, there too your hand will lead me and your right hand 
will grasp me. I can run the circuit of the earth. I can be as far as I can be west or I can be east. The rising of the sun. Wherever I go, your hand is there not only holding on to me, but leading me. Wherever I am, you're leading me. Now David found some very, very difficult times. I've talked about this before where he would hide in caves and he would hide in tall grass. One time he pretended to be a, a madman among the Philistines. He, he acted like he was having fits and so forth. The hand of God was wherever David was. And David acknowledges, you're holding on to me and you're leading me wherever I need to go. David was helpless against the campaign of misinformation. There's nothing he could do about it. Not a thing. But the only thing that he needed to know was that he was in the hand of God. I said, darkness will follow me. And even then, the night will be as light about me. Even darkness will not obscure anything from you. And the night will light up like the day. As darkness, so is the light. I am never hidden from you. I am never in such darkness that you cannot see me. Wherever I am, your light lights it up. I can see the way because of how you deal with me. Now that leads us to think how it all began. How deep does this relationship with God really go? How much does God know about me? So number three, we are amazingly made. For you created my reins, my inward parts, the substance that makes me. You covered me in my mother's womb. I shall praise you for in an awesome or fearful, wondrous way, I was fashioned. This, this belongs to God. This is the work of God. Your works are wondrous. And my soul knows it very well. My frame, the formation of my bones, was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. I was skillfully woven in the lowest parts of the earth. Deep within the womb of his mother. Secret and apart from everything else. God was working on David. Before he had substance. As a, as a little embryo, a fetus. While he was being formed in the womb and his substance would grow. God knew it. God was there. God's skill was working and weaving David into the person he would be. So David is being lied about and he's being attacked. And now 
He's acknowledging that God is with him even in the darkest times and that he can go anywhere to heaven or into the grave, wherever he goes, God is there. When he's asleep, when he's awake, God is there. If he went as far as he could to the east or to the west, God would already be there. God was always there. God was grasping him, holding him, leading him. How well does he know me? He knows me absolutely because he put me together. My frame was not hidden from you. The completing of my bone structure, everything else that made me what I am, growing in my mother's womb, secretly apart from everything else, being skillfully woven. This is how much God knows me. But it doesn't just stop there. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Can you see? While it was still tomorrow for me, though in the womb, you were already there. The struggles and difficulties, the disinformation, the lies, these are not, these are no surprise to you. They were already written in the book of who I am. That's how well God knows me. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. You already had them written out in your book. And to me, how precious are your thoughts, God? How great is their sum, your thoughts toward me? If I shall count them, they're more numerous than sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. You're always with me. Even if I sleep the sleep of death when I awake, you're with me. You are there, even there, even then, always with me. Even that day was written in the book that you wrote for me. So then, with God knowing us like that, we are righteously judged. God never makes a mistake. David the king, all of his life was surrounded by enemies. He was a man of war. He did not choose that vocation. It was thrust upon him by God. And God prepared him for it all of his life, even when he was a little boy. Even as a shepherd, when he could stand before the giant with confidence, knowing that he had killed things more vicious than the giant... And he had skills, never knowing that God would develop his shepherd's heart to finally be the shepherd of the people of God as their king. So he had enemies. Inspired by Satan, they hated David because, number one, he was the king of God's people. And number two, he carried within his loins the promise of the Christ. 
If only you would slay the wicked, Eloah, oh my God. And men of blood, turn away from me. David desperately wanted to be the one who built the temple. He made all the arrangements. He purchased the property. And, but God told him, no, you're a man of war. Shalom, Solomon, man of peace, will have to build the temple. You are doing what I have called you to do, what I've prepared you to do. This is how you serve me. And all of your days you'll be surrounded by enemies. You have to fight them to protect God's people. For they speak wickedly against you. Your enemies take it up. That is, they take up your name in vain. Cursing and swearing, blaspheming the God of gods who has taken up David as his servant and cares for him in the smallest of ways. Did I not hate your enemies, Yahweh, with those who rise up against you? I detest, I detest them. Servant of God found no common ground with the enemies of God and God's people and the enemies of God's leader. I hate them with complete hatred. Man, that's something, isn't it? David is so immersed in his relationship with God, he will not find any common ground or any way to compromise with those who speak against his God. I count them my enemies. Search me out, God, El God, and know my heart. Test me and know even my most anxious thoughts and see whether there is any idolatrous or wicked way. The word tells us that apparently one of the lies being told against David was that he was secretly idolatrous. And David's appeal to Yahweh is, you know that's not right. You made me. You formed me. You've guided me every day. You wrote all the days of my life in your book. And you know this is not true. Examine me. Test me. Look at, look at even the worst of my thoughts. And see whether there is any wicked or idolatrous way about me. And lead me. In the eternal way, in the everlasting way, forever saved, to live for, an eternity, for eternity in the presence of God, God and me. Let's pray. We'll be through. Oh, Lord. We find ourselves where David found himself, just snuggled up into your bosom in the cradle of your arms, just thanking you that you're the one who made us, who has directed us, and who wrote the book of our lives, who has protected us in a marvelous and wonderful way. 
And we thank you that even though we be surrounded by enemies and even though we may find ourselves in what otherwise would be a very difficult situation, yet we can know that you're our creator and you're our savior and you're eternal and these things are not a surprise to you. And we can rest in that place because of who you are to us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here.